Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls. And joining me on the podcast today is Dr. Tom O'Brien. I'm sure you guys are probably familiar with Dr. Tom's work. He's an author, educator, and really one of the foremost experts on gluten and wheat sensitivity. He's educated literally thousands of practitioners around the world. And he's got an upcoming docuseries, which we're going to talk a little bit at the end of the podcast, coming out in March. So Dr. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Dr. Darren. Great to be here. You know, I want to dive right in. You know, we've got so many people out there really, I mean, suffering, a lot of chronic illness. And at the root of all this is inflammation. You know, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what are the kind of signs and symptoms of inflammation? You know, obviously you hit your hand, it gets red, it gets swollen, and people know it's inflamed. What are maybe some of these other things that are signs of inflammation that people may not be familiar with? You bet, you bet. Well, the first thing to to um, acknowledge is that inflammation is not bad. Inflammation saves our life every single day. We wouldn't be able to survive on the planet. Excessive inflammation is the problem. And the CDC tells us that 14 of the 15 top causes of death are chronic inflammatory diseases. It's always inflammation, except for unintentional injuries. Always. It's inflammation. And David Furman at the Buck Institute and, and, and Stanford, uh, and there are many other scientists, And but David, uh, he did this drawing, and I'm going to try and describe the drawing, because if you can visualize the drawing, you get it. So on the left side of the drawing is a gear, like a bicycle gear, and it's all the way around. My fingers don't go all the way around, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a gear. And then when that one turns, there's another gear that it connects to. So the middle, the, 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 the other gear turns. And then there's a gear on the right side, my right, your left. Uh, and the middle one turns that one. So one gear turns two other gears in this drawing. And on the left side, he identified our lifestyle, the foods we select to eat, um, um, our weight, obesity, uh, uh, dysbiosis in the gut, quality sleep, not quality sleep, uh, stress hormones. He identified our lifestyle factors that seem, not seem, that contribute to the development of chronic inflammatory diseases. And then in the middle, the middle gear was the activation of the immune system when the ones on the right go out of balance. So if there's too much of one of these things and starts to turn the wheel, it turns the middle gear, which is our activating our immune system to produce more inflammation. And then when that middle gear turns, the one on the other side, turning that third gear, is diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, autoimmune diseases. And the visual that he tried to show is that it is always chronic systemic inflammation that activates the degenerative diseases that we get. And it's always our lifestyle factors out of balance that activate the inflammation. So when you want to address the chronic inflammatory disease, there are medications, pharmaceuticals. I mean, if you have high blood pressure, you better take the medication. 
uh, that don't be silly, right? But what can you do naturally to reduce that blood pressure? And many doctors are trained in how to do that, but you have to do something to get that blood pressure down right away. But then you have to look at where's the inflammation coming from that's causing that blood pressure. And the inflammation, for example, we know that one of the things that helps when you have um, high cholesterol and too many uh, LDLs and not enough HDLs is to take niacin, right? Niacin is, we've been known, we've known for years for that. But high cholesterol is not a deficiency of niacin. And so you can't just take the natural product instead of the pharmaceutical product, the statins. You can't take the natural product and think you're okay because you haven't addressed where is that elevated cholesterol coming from. And so you have to go back to the lifestyle factors that are contributing to the inflammation that's activating the increased cholesterol production. So David Furman's drawing really put in perspective, and we're gonna show that drawing and we talk to him about it and he's very eloquent in how he explains it. He's got the contract with NASA to figure out why are the astronauts aging in space so quickly? And uh, because astronauts, humans cannot go to Mars. There's no way. Uh, now, tech, the technology is good, to get to Mars, and it won't be long before the technology for humans to go to Mars is great, but aging is so accelerated, the two and a half years it takes for a spaceship to get to Mars, the astronauts will die of old age. <laughs> and people don't know that because NASA never talks about it, it would impact on their funding, right? So they don't talk about that. But so his team has been studying, where is it coming from? And it's always accelerated inflammation. And so from that perspective of understanding that 14 of the 15 top causes of death in the world today are chronic inflammatory diseases, every practitioner needs to include in their evaluation, not just let's get that high cholesterol down to reduce your risk of heart disease, but where is that high cholesterol coming from? And sometimes you look at diet and it's your food choices that have contributed to the high cholesterol. So you, you get rid of the bad fats and all of that and the inflammation goes down from that, that effort. Uh, but the point is we always have to include in our protocols with any chronic condition, where is the inflammation coming from? And we don't do that now. We don't do that. We look to how can I help this patient reduce and eliminate their symptoms, put their symptoms into remission as naturally as possible, which is great. I mean, everybody's very grateful and thankful, but they still die early in life of heart disease or diabetes or cancer, meaning there was still the underlying inflammation that's manifesting somewhere else. I'll give you an example. A uh, a uh, 14-year-old boy, celiac patient, was diagnosed uh, three years earlier. Mom was vigilant. She learned everything about how to protect her son and with foods and things like that. And uh, uh, when they went on vacation, they brought their own pots and pans. They brought their own silver. I mean, she really dialed it in. And uh, when I talked to her, usually I can find where they're missing 
the boat in in treating celiac disease, but they had it completely down. And so then that makes me step back. And I said, Mrs. Patient, have you ever backed out of the driveway and you say, what's wrong with this car? I mean, it's moving, but not very, of course, the emergency brake. And you let go of the emergency brake and then you back out just fine. I had to look for where are the emergency brakes for this young boy? Because his blood test said he was still making antibodies to wheat, but they were squeaky clean. Everything on the checklist, everything. She had been educated well and was implementing all those protocols. Where was the trigger? And without testing, you don't know. Is it gasoline or kerosene? Where is the inflammation coming from? And for this young boy, there was two of them. It was dairy, and he loves dairy. He loves cheese. But for 50% of celiacs, they have a sensitivity to dairy. And when the immune system fights dairy, it automatically turns on to fight wheat again, even though there's no wheat. It's called cross-reactivity. So it was dairy, and he had levels of phthalates in his system, chemicals used to mold plastic that were, I, I think it was 30 times or 40 times above the normal. Wow. Not 30%, but 30 times. And she said, and he also had mold, a lot of mold. And so, but she said, our house is clean. Our And there's, you know, the, the, the phthalates are chemicals used to mold plastic, uh, to make plastic moldable or elastic. And so I said, well, we have to find it. We have to start the exploration to find it. So she hired an inspector to come into their house. No mold anywhere. I said, well, that's very unusual. Okay, so we have to go to the next tier. Where is the mold? Because he had these mold metabolites and antibodies in his tests that were very high. And so I had to ask some more questions. Do you drive an old car? No, no, we have a new car and there's actually a filter in the car. Okay, okay. And uh, do you have more than one house that you live in? Well, we have a summer house, but we're only there in the summer and we, we haven't been there in months. Okay. Well, he does sleep at his grandmother's house uh, twice a week. He loves his grandparents and he sleeps at grandma's house. So you you have to have the inspector check grandma's house. And it was in the wall behind the headboard of the room that he was sleeping in. So they checked the air and the mold was in the air. And then they had to explore where's it coming from. And that room had flooded a couple years ago. They took the carpet out, got rid of it. But the drywall got wet. So the, they dried the drywall. But on the inside of the drywall, black mold was growing in there, right? Right. You have to explore where is it coming from because that emergency break, we found the dairy, and that's not too hard to find, but if we hadn't have identified the mold, he would have continued to have the symptoms of celiac disease, which were uh, uh, brain function problems, um, uh, cognitive decline, uh, failure to thrive. And I just talked to the mother today on a follow-up. It's been four, five months now, and he's grown two shoe sizes. Uh, in five months uh, after that. So obviously the emergency brake is off and his body is growing now. But for that boy, 
how much inhibition in vitality of life and what he learns and how he performs in school, how would that have affected him for the rest of his life? You know, you've got to explore, is it gasoline or kerosene? Where is it coming from? Well, that's always the big challenge uh, that with my own patients, you know, trying to figure out the source uh, of inflammation. Like I said, you know, it, it's so many different things. That's right. I agree that it's very easy to kind of put a Band-Aid with, you know, supplements and nutrients and herbs and so forth, which I said is fine. But to really get to the root of the problem, if we really want to cure these these issues, you know, we have to understand for each individual what it is that perpetuates that inflammatory cycle. That's you know, right. Again, you know, my background is, you know, trained as an environmental medicine doctor and, you know, it's <laughs> understanding, you know, everything in the environment, which I know which your docuseries is completely geared around. Yes. And, you know, I, I don't think we can have this conversation about inflammation without talking about toxicity, right? Because ultimately, I think it's that toxic load that stimulates a lot of the inflammation. So maybe- Well, that, that, that was the third thing. Right. I said there was mold and he had high phthalates. Where were the phthalates coming from? Turns out it was the rubber bands on his braces. Interesting. And, and so uh, we we explored where the phthalates come from. Do you drink water out of plastic bottles? And, you know, a paper came out a month ago that the new technology in identifying plastic residue in bottled water. They now have laser technology. So we've known about microplastics and the problem right. with microplastics, but now they can identify nanoplastics. The tiniest little nanos is a billionth of a gram. And what they've identified in the three largest commercial bottled waters that the researchers bought, they just went to the store and bought them, liter bottles, the average in three different types of bottled water, one liter size, was 240,000 nanoplastic particles in a liter of water. Now, we've been telling patients to drink healthy water, you know, good water, bottled water for years because the tap water is so bad. But now these nanoplastics, they, and they go right through the blood-brain barrier into your brain. So when we do the test, the most comprehensive test for brain inflammation, which I know you also do, the uh, NeuroZoomer Plus, you never get a normal back on a first test. Never, because everyone's got inflammation in their brain from what they're breathing, going right up their nose, but also from what they're drinking, getting into their bloodstream. And so we have to learn about these things and we have to identify, have has, is my immune system said, you cross the line of tolerance and now you're creating inflammation to fight this stuff. And if you are, you have to reduce the exposure to calm down the inflammation or the wheels keep turning and it manifests at whatever your genetic vulnerability is in terms of chronic disease. You know, I I have this conversation, I think with everyone I talk about, you know, we, we live in a more toxic world. It's not getting better I think for so many people, when we start getting into the weeds with this, it's, it's overwhelming between yeah. what's in our food supply, our water supply, what's in air pollution, 
uh, it's a lot. You know, I you know the average American gets exposed to over eighty eight thousand chemicals a year. Less than two hundred have actually been studied for their safety. Right. So we don't even know what the combination of toxic soups really doing to us at the most basic cellular level. You know, where where do people start? You know, how do they really start to assess their own world for all these different toxins? That's a really good question. You know, we had the opportunity three days ago, I was in Los Angeles and I had the opportunity to interview Fran Drescher, <laughs> the nanny. Yeah. And she's such a uh, wonderful human being. You know, she developed uterine cancer and uh, uh, serious. And she said her oncologist saved her life, but she just said, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen? And so she found functional medicine and integrative medicine, and she formed Cancer Schmancer, which is that's Fran. Uh, but thousands of people are educated every year. And, you know, you, you go to their website, cancerschmancer.com, and uh, there's so much great information to learn. But listening to Fran, she's such a no-nonsense uh, no person. And uh, that was why I went to L.A. was to interview Fran. And that was the question I wanted to, Fran to answer. Where do we start? Because she has been on the other side and had a very serious cancer. They didn't know if she was going to survive. And she's a 22-year survivor now. And she says uh, that... Uh, uh, what you have to learn, the first and most important thing is how to take care of yourself. And as she started saying that, she was just stroking her arm and saying, you know, you have to learn to take care of yourself with that New York accent of hers that is so great. <laughs> but and she was talking about what does that mean? It means you have patience with yourself and you understand that you're going to learn a lot of new stuff now and it's going to take a while, but you just keep taking care of yourself. And she kept stroking herself as she was doing it. And you'll see it in the docuseries. I mean, it was just so powerful. The message is you are the most important person when it comes to health. If you don't take care of your health, you can't take care of your family's health. Every, everyone gets compromised. So you have to take care of yourself. And when you do that, the, the way that you're going to do that is by beginning to learn all of these overwhelming things of all the bad things uh, in our world today. And it's overwhelming. And you just take one thing at a time and you just work on one thing at a time. You know, and I said to her, you said, you know, Fran, you are the only other person I've ever met. And besides me, and she looked at me and I said, who makes everybody put little blue booties on their feet when they come in with their shoes on, right? <laughs> and she started laughing that laugh of hers. And because, you know, you leave the toxins of the outside world outside. Now, in my home, uh, we have little um, uh, single-time-use slippers that people can wear if they want to. Or we're barefoot. You know, we live in Costa Rica and our floors are very clean. So we're barefoot because my son would drop food on the floor all the time and he'd pick it up and he'd eat it, right? So our floors are extremely clean. 
And and uh, so we walk around barefoot, but if people are uncomfortable barefoot, we've got some little slippers for him. But if a workman comes in, he's not going to take off his boots. You know, I got some bad uh, bad looks from those guys when they, we first moved there because, can you take your shoes off, please? And they just looked at me. And, and so I got a bag of these little blue cloth booties, right? And I said, and Fran, you're the only other person I've seen that does that. And she just started laughing and said, but that's taking care of yourself. That's taking care of you and your family because your neighbor, they fertilize their grass with weed killer that's uh, toxic chemicals. And when your guests are walking down the street, they park the car and they're walking down the street and they come to your house. They're walking on the sidewalk where the rain has washed some of the weed killer onto the sidewalk. And now it's on the bottom of your shoes and they walk into your house with their shoes. And now it's on your carpet and your three-year-old child or your eight-month-old child is crawling on the carpet, now those toxic chemicals are in your child. And when they're in your hand, on your hands, they're in your bloodstream within a few minutes. I mean, Fran knows now because she has studied this for years, right? And that's what she educates. So you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself and your family. And that's what um, the docu-series is all about, is learning what are the things that we have to do and how do you have conversations with your healthcare practitioner on this and not sound like a nutcase? So you you have to have a healthcare practitioner that knows about these things as part of your healthcare team. I mean, it may be that you've got a great pediatrician who knows nothing about integrative and functional medicine. Well, then you're not going to ask them questions about integrative and functional medicine because you're going to get a frustrating answer. You're going to get an integrative and functional medicine practitioner added onto your healthcare team. So when you have those, and you know, Fran talks all about that. She said, "You don't kill the good, the golden goose." That doctor, that oncologist saved my life. I love him forever, and I go see him once every year just because I love him and he saved my life. But I never ask them questions about lifestyle. And then she started <laughs> laughing again, right? Because they don't know. They've had no training on this. So you learn that you get permission to use the healthcare practitioners as they are trained and what their specialty is. And most of us think if it's a doctor, they know everything. And unfortunately, they don't. And most of them don't acknowledge if it's something that they don't know because they feel the pressure of knowing everything. That's what the training is all about. And when when you hear Fran talk about that or you hear Dale Bredesen talk about that with our neurologists, uh, when we have cognitive dysfunction uh, and you you hear uh, endocrinologists talk about that, when you talk about hormone problems with doctors who don't know about integrative and functional medicine, when you, then you start to understand, oh, so I may need more than one doctor because they all have, you don't ask a dentist about your sore knee, right? And that's the concept that Fran was giving us and take care of yourself. So that's an example of what we're doing here, besides talking to the world-class scientists. So Dr. Darren, you and I have said many times uh, because the science shows us this, all disease begins in the gut. Right. All, all disease begins again. We know that. So I introduced I, I interviewed Professor Yehuda Schoenfeld from Tel Aviv, Israel. 
And he's the godfather of autoimmunity. And what I mean by that is, and many, many doctors, a few hundred, I believe, have gotten their PhDs in immunology from his department at Tel Aviv University. 26 of them, there may be more, but at the time I interviewed him, 26 of them chaired departments of immunology in medical schools and hospitals around the world. They're his students. This is the godfather, right? So Professor Schoenfeld and I were on stage together in Rome in early December, and he made this statement that's like, what? And when you think about it as a doctor, it says, yeah, yeah, that's correct. But as a human being, when you think about it, we are born 99% human, which means there's a little bit of bacteria in the gut in a newborn from mom while they're in utero. They have a little bit, not very much. We're born 99% human and we die 90% microbial. Right. That there's, see, you and I know that, but people say, well, what, what, what does that mean? Right. There's 10 times more cells of bacteria in our body than human cells in an adult. 10 times more. That means 90% of the body is bacteria, not the human cells. What? And you think about that, you know, it's like for me, I studies that really throw me off that say that I can't understand and just expand my knowledge a little bit, but reshape how I think about something. Those are called paradigm shifting studies. I tape them on the ceiling of my bedroom, right? And I go to bed and I go, oh yeah, that's right. The study. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm sleeping, you know, some idea will come and I've got a little thing, a pad of paper and a pen by the bed and write it down. Right. And that's one of the, that's one of those kind of comments that you think about it. Wait, so if adults are 90% bacteria, who's running the show? And we know, we know the messages from the gut. 36% of all the small molecules in the bloodstream are the messengers from the bacteria in the gut. One third of all the small molecules in the bloodstream are the messengers from the bacteria in the gut. They're going to the brain, telling the brain what to do. They're going to the heart, telling the heart how to beat. They're going to the lungs, to the liver telling our organs how to work that. And when you have a bad gut, uh, too many bad guys and not enough good guys. And the technical term is dysbiosis. When you have too many bad guys, the messengers that get into the bloodstream are messengers of inflammation. And it doesn't matter what tissue it's inflammation. So the gasoline on the fire oftentimes is coming from the bad bugs in the gut, right? which is why all disease begins in the gut. And so we're talking to the experts, the world experts on this, right? And they say, wait, 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 professor, did you just say yes? And does that mean yes? Do you hear that, everyone? So, I mean, that's a different way of thinking about how important it is to have a healthy gut. All disease begins in the gut. And so that's the kind of... Um, docu-series we're doing with these, these paradigm-shifting ideas, and then the motivational speakers like Pedram Shojai, Dr. Pedram, a great, great acupuncturist and um, the, urban his, monk. the urban monk. And one of the things that he talked about is, you know, um, um, it's the decisions you make on a daily basis 
that are either watering the garden or flaming the fire. You know, so you say, guys, instead of going to the bar, let's go to the gym. Or instead of watching that TV show, let's take the dog for a walk. And every decision you make has that kind of impact on the direction that your immune system is going in. And that's the kind of education we want to give everyone. So they just start thinking about this over the months after they've watched it, and they start having conversations with their doctors and their health coaches um, and their healthcare practitioners and say, you know, I've been thinking about this inflammation thing. And I notice that whenever I go up to the cottage, we get headaches up there. A couple of us get headaches. Could that be the environment? You know, in other words, you become more aware of when inflammation is occurring in your life. That's our goal for attendees out of this event. Well, I'm sure that uh, people, when they tune into the docu series, are going to be surprised that so much stuff that can be done is really what we call the low-hanging fruit. It That's really right. is very simple. It's easy. It's not horribly expensive. I think a lot of people feel like they have to do really high-tech, invasive things that are going to cost thousands of dollars. And sometimes, like you said, it's just simple choices, simple decisions about do I you know, buy the organic broccoli or do I buy the conventional broccoli? That's right. I... Let me give you an example of that one. I mean, That's a really good one. You know, um, I think I've mentioned to you before, a study came out in 2019 in the Journal of the American Medical Association from Harvard looking at couples going to assisted fertility centers. And they ruled out all of the known risk factors like alcohol consumption, cigarette smoking, obesity, uh, choice of foods, uh, 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 exercise, no exercise, socioeconomic class, race. They ruled all that out and they narrowed it down to one thing. How many servings of fruits and vegetables were the women eating a day? And well, we all know the more fruits and vegetables we eat, the better. Not in this case, that they divided, they, they put the, the number of servings per day per person into fourths, the lowest amount of fruits and vegetables per day, the next, the third, and the highest. And the results were shocking. Just completely shocking. Those in the highest category of fruit and vegetable consumption per day had an 18% less likelihood of getting pregnant. Oh, and I'm sorry, I, I forgot to tell you, these were couples at assisted fertility centers yeah. spending tens of thousands of dollars. So those, eat, those women eating the most fruits and vegetables had an 18% less likelihood of getting pregnant. And if they did get pregnant, they had a 26% less likelihood of a live birth. Wow. More miscarriages and stillbirths. Wait a minute. What? I mean, that just doesn't make sense to anybody. Until one of the researchers noticed that there was a subgroup of women who were eating organic. And in that group, the results were the exact opposite. The more fruits and vegetables you ate, the better. You got better results. And here's the good news. They classified those women as organic if they were eating three meals a week, not 21 meals a week. 
But at three meals a week, they reversed that danger and they got much better results in terms of implantation, trying to get pregnant, and then having a healthy pregnancy and healthy delivery. Wow. So everyone can eat three times a week. And we think, um, I think, now everything I'm telling you is science, except for what I'm about to tell you. I think the reason that those at only three times a week got such good results, because if they're eating organic once in a while, they probably bought organic shampoo and organic dishwashing soap, you know, that they're doing the little things, the accumulative things that make a big difference overall. That um, I suspect that's probably why that group at three, at three, I, I know why the group got great results, but why it only required three times a week. Because they're probably doing other things in the same direction. And that's what you want to learn. What are all the little things I can do that'll make a difference? And you just start knocking them off one by one every week. You learn another one and you learn another one and you learn another one. So that's our goal for people. Well, I'm so thrilled to share this with the audience. We're obviously going to post a link to the docuseries. It drops on March 20th. And uh, I know it's just going to be chock full of useful information on, on really transforming your life, your family's life, your children's life. You know, I work with a lot of children in my practice. I am gravely concerned about the health of our children because they're yeah. the future of our world. And the exactly. fact that we have more than 50% of children in the United States with a chronic disease, a chronic inflammatory disease. Uh, it's critical that everyone get educated on what you can do for you and your family to try and help slow this train down and hopefully reverse it. So Amen to that. I, I'm always grateful to have you on. You're always a wealth of information and I look forward to watching the docuseries. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much.